0: Thank you for tuning in once again to this podcast. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. I'd like to welcome each and every one of our listeners that are tuned in listening. Uh, thankful for those of you that subscribe. And would you let others know about the podcast? I'd like to get our subscriptions up. like to get the Word of God out there. And I'd uh, like to be able to influence some folks with truth, the doctrine, the Word of God. And there's a lot of uh, folly out there. There's a lot of error out there. A lot of self-help guru. That's not uh, going to really fill a void in your life. It's just very popular for a short-term fix. It's like a good medication. Sometimes it might make you a little bit euphoric and make you a little bit uh, out of your mind so you feel better, but then reality comes back and you don't feel better anymore. And that's kind of what a lot of preaching does today, a lot of teaching does today. It's a short-term fix for a long-term problem. Doctrine is a long-term fix for your problems. You get right doctrine, you have right living. Have right doctrine, you walk with God. Have right doctrine, you have relationship with God. you got error in your life, falling in your life, and your life is not going to be right. There's a lot of folks just got bad doctrine. It's evidence of the fact they don't live right. It's evidence of the fact they don't walk with God. And so I pray that this is a doctrinal help to you. We just try to preach the word of God. You may disagree with some things we say. You may disagree with everything we say. We're just going to preach the word of God as it is. And we're going to go back to Matthew 26 again today. Jesus Christ has gone with his disciples. He's in the garden with them. And he has prayed and he's left them. And he prayed this third time, said the same words. But then in verse 45, then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. And we know that prophecy is fulfilled in in Psalm 69 and verse 20. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. Then, verse 21 they gave me also gall for my meat, and my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. And so we see right here, he's looking for help, he's looking for them. But the word of God said, He said, The hour has come, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. There's none to help. His disciples cannot stop this. We know in a couple verses, we'll see where Peter tries that. He takes a sword out. He's willing to fight flesh and blood, but he does not see the spiritual battle. He only sees the fleshly battle. so it is with a lot of folks at Calvary. They can see the gore of Calvary. They can see the blood of Calvary. Uh, They can see the Hollywood version of Calvary. What they do not see beyond that is the scriptural version of the cross. And I thank God. It was bad doctrine many years ago uh, that had me start searching out the scriptural version of the cross. heard a man preach uh, basically a Passion of the Christ movie-type doctrine concerning uh, the sufferings of Christ. And that six-foot-nine Roman centurion with that uh, nine-braided whip with bits of glass and shards of bone filleting the back of Jesus Christ and ripping open his skin where his kidneys were exposed, his entrails were exposed and the blood pouring down. And and as he's reading this and he's telling me this and he's preaching this from the pulpit, I remember sitting there saying, I just don't see all this in scripture. And uh, you might think me critical. You may preach that. It doesn't bother me one bit if you do. But I'm just telling you, God put me on a path to begin to search these things out. And I realized what he missed was the sufferings of Christ in the Old Testament. What he missed was that sufferings of Christ, those tears, those sorrows, the hurts. And God put me on a path some 15 plus years ago of seeking out the crucifixion, finding Jesus Christ in Scripture. Proven all things by the word of God concerning Calvary. And that's where I am today. And that doesn't make me better than anybody. It doesn't mean I'm 100% right. It doesn't make me perfect in it. But I do believe the scriptures. I do believe Jesus Christ died alone. I believe he was there on the cross. Even his father had abandoned him. All that darkness upon the face of the earth. He's under the judgment of the mighty hand of almighty God. He said, rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. I'm going to read this next passage and then go back and look at a couple of things. Before I read this, I want to say, I had a dear brother reach out to me. And if any of you have questions about the son of perdition, we know Judas is called the son of perdition. We know the man of sin is called the son of perdition. Why? They're both the son of perdition. And I do not believe they're the same person. I believe they have the same attributes. I believe they have the same spirit. I believe there's a lot of things with that. And you can disagree or, or agree with me. It doesn't matter to me one bit. Uh, but if anybody would like to have this all settled in their heart and in their mind, I have a number for you to call up in the state of Maine. And so let me know. and be glad to put this, give you this number, put you on this dear brother, and he's going to answer all your questions concerning the son of perdition. But I'm not going to deal with that a whole lot today or tomorrow. But I do want to look at Judas when he said, while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the 12, came in with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now I'm sort of making light of this matter of Judas, but I'm not making light of the doctrine. He is the son of perdition. That man of sin is the son of perdition. Yet we see Judas die. He falls headlong. His bowels gush out. We see, of course, that uh, he's dead. he's uh, buried in that field of blood, Agamedema, the potter's field. We know that according to the scriptures, but in the word of God also called the, that man of sin, that wicked, he called him the son of perdition, and which tells me at minimum they both have the same Father, which is perdition. Word of God tells us that. And that's why He said, "One of you is a devil." He told Judas that in the scriptures. And so we see they've come to take Jesus Christ. They come with swords and staves. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. I want to look at a couple of scriptures concerning this man of sin, this man, this Judas, this one that's taken him. Jesus chose twelve. He said, I chose to have one of you is a devil. Where did God tell us in Psalm 41? In verse 8, speaking of Jesus Christ, this is prophecy. This is Judas, no doubt. An evil disease, say they cleaveth fast unto him, and now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. That's Jesus Christ. Yet mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Now when did he eat of his bread? When he dipped the sop with him. That's when he ate of his bread. And it is he that hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. For this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. But as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. And so Judas goes out, hangs himself, his bowels gush out. We'll talk about that later on in another podcast. He's dead, but the word of God tells us in this, as for me, who? Jesus Christ. Thou upholdest me in mine integrity. What is that integrity? He's the righteous son of God. The cleanness of his hands, he's been recompensed by that. And he has never sinned. He has not known iniquity. He is clean. He is pure. He is holy. And he said, thou settest me before thy face forever. That's one of the prophecies we see concerning Judas. The sign, the kiss Psalm 55 and verse 12. Now, I realize that face value in Psalm 55, we're looking at the Hithophel. And um, we see that, of course, he's dealing with the Hithophel because he has turned against David. He was one of David's counselors, and now he has plotted to overthrow David in the life of Absalom. But I want you to look beyond that and see, this is uh, to the chief musician on Neganoth, Maskell, a Psalm of David. And in verse three, we see prophecy concerning Christ, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppressed of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Now, I realize the word of God tells us that death is just a sting. So why would the word of God here say there's terrors of death? Well, those who do not believe that Jesus Christ died the second death will have to discredit this verse or somehow correct the Bible. And in their self-learned heresies, they'll have to deny the word of God and change the word of God. But those terrors of death or when he dies and he's facing the second death, which is separation from God, that is the separate death. Where's separation from God? It's in hell. And men are separated from God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring? Why is he roaring? Because he's died a second death. Terrors have overwhelmed him. Then the word of God goes on and tells us in verse twelve, "For it's not an enemy that reproached me, then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me then I would have hid myself from him. So David now, of course, is speaking of Ahithophel. It wasn't Absalom, because Absalom just did what he did. He was son of David, but he just did what Ahithophel did it with, well, really with malice, with guile. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked unto the house of God in company. But then notice the wrath that is called for. And and David would not have called this down. By the time he prophesied this, Ahithophel's already hanged himself. He is a picture. He is a type. He walks with David. He's a familiar counselor to David, just like Judas, was familiar to Jesus Christ, walked with Jesus Christ, was a counselor with Jesus Christ. And he went out. He got his house in order and went out and hanged himself. So Judas got his house in order, went out and hanged himself. There's the picture, the type, if you will. He said, let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. That's a pretty strong statement. I can't imagine David would damn Ahithophel to hell. I just have trouble seeing that because he's not in his power to damn Ahithophel to hell. I know he speaks of the wicked and the hatred for the wicked at different times, but listen to what the words he says, let them go down. That's permissive. That's God. That's a work of God. Go down quick into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings. What is that wickedness? It's in their habitation. It's in their dwellings. It's in their bishopric. A lot of folks really struggle with Psalm 109, seeing Judas is scary in that, but yet we do see him just like we see him in Psalm 55. If you're willing to look for him, and I believe it's very clear Psalm 109 is Judas. It's more than just a type or a picture. It is Judas. But in Psalm 109, the word of God said, they rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. Set thou a wicked man over him and let Satan stand at his right hand. And he said, well, he shall be judged. Let him be condemned and let his prayer become sin. Now, just recently, the Lord let me see that his prayer becomes sin is Proverbs 28 and verse nine. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. So we see that Judas has now turned. He has betrayed the innocent blood. He has betrayed Jesus Christ. Back in our text in Matthew 26, we've seen he's kissed Jesus Christ. He has betrayed him. His own familiar friend that he dipped the sop with has now betrayed him. And Jesus calls him in verse 50, friend. And they came and took hands and laid hands on Jesus and took him and behold one of them which was with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? And so we know the scriptures must be fulfilled. He tells us that. And his whole purpose in coming is to fulfill the scriptures. And a lot of folks look at a Christ of history, a Christ of Hollywood, a Christ of flannel graph, a Christ of, of tradition. But they do not see the Christ of scriptures in the crucifixion. Again, that's what changed my life. At the same hour, Jesus said to the multitude, you come out as a thief with swords and staves for me to take me. I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and you laid no hold on me. But all this was done. They came out and took him. Judas had to betray him. They had to take him as a common thief. They had to take him as a common criminal. They had to take him into that hall where they're going to take him and he's going to be judged. It must be so Why? that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When all this was done, the scriptures, the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. The last fulfillment of this passage of scripture in the garden is Zechariah 13. And he says, awake, O sword, that's verse 7, against my shepherd, against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And it shall come to pass in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. So again, we see Jesus Christ is smitten. The flock has fled. They separated themselves. All the disciples forsook him and fled. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll finish up this passage in Matthew 26 with the Lord's help. There is a lost soul who is tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McBay. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McBay on iTunes, And remember to look up, for there your redemption draweth all not. Now the angel.